Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Today, we discuss about KPI, how you can get results, traffic, sales, and anything else. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Yal Katz. How are you? Good, good. How are you doing, Anatoly? Yeah, it's a big pleasure to get on my show. I'm doing great. You know, sunny day, positive mindset. Everything is fine. You know, I think it depends on your mindset. If you set up the positive mindset uh, at any weather, at any circumstances, everything will be fine. You know, it's my attitude. <laughs> uh, okay, before we start, just tell... Just tell more about your experience, background, and why you decided to tell uh, about this topic. Cool. So um, I've been in digital marketing and specifically, you know, B2B marketing for about um, 10 years now. I kind of started out um, working for a big Fortune 500 company for, for SAP. I was uh, on one of the marketing teams for SAP, and, and you really don't have a better um playground better learning uh environment for b2b than sap i mean like that's the classic type of s type of b2b um software uh company you know they've been around forever and and the type of software that they offer is really geared toward geared towards um b2b enterprise um companies um so yeah so it was a great place um to learn i kind of started out just doing editorial content you know i grew up in the states so i had like native english and they just wanted somebody who can take technical documents and make them more seo friendly make them more uh make them a little bit more search engine friendly back in in, in the days where that was um very very straightforward you know exactly what you need to do to do that um and so basically i would start my day you know with a pile of so, so to speak, it was all digital still, but a pile of, of, of articles, you know, on my desk and kind of make that um, uh, SEO friendly. And, and I did that. And, you know, I got to um, moved on to a different job. But I realized that, you know, startups were really more of where my interests lay. And I joined a startup as the uh, as a member of the founding team. And um, we basically um, did. A, you know, it was the early years of machine learning and the early years of uh, implementing machine learning. So we kind of found a way to uh, to find like an interesting use case um, for that. It was pretty successful and we ended up selling it to Outbrain, one of the big um, ad tech companies. And then, you know, I was also, you know, uh, VP marketing for um, early stage startups. One of them is already a unicorn and I was the uh, first um, uh, marketing person there. And I found um, uh, MVP Grow, my uh, agency that I run and manage uh, about um, almost four years ago. Um, and we work exclusively with B2B tech um, companies, uh, helping them grow, doing everything from you know SEO content, PPC marketing automation, pretty much a full, um, we like to call it marketing department as a service. That's kind of like what we offer. Um, so that's kind of like allowed me to, get a lot of perspective about, you know, B2B marketing across a bunch of different industries globally. So it's been, it's been really good. And it's been a, a really um, interesting ride so far. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Love your experience. By the way, we have a sponsor today, iChrefs, IC tools and resources to grow your search traffic. Uh, do you use this tool? Do you know about this tool? Yeah. Um, I use iChrefs actually. That's a tool that I, that I use um, for my own uh, SEO research. 
Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, you mentioned about uh, companies, big companies, I mean, like 500 uh, fortune companies. Can you tell more? What is the main difference? Uh, how to cooperate with such companies? Because uh, I think, for example, if you uh, started from scratch with a new website, new project, it's uh, uh, quite different if you cooperate with big companies that have a loyal audience, customers. That means you need to grow their sales. Uh, tell more about cooperating yeah. with big companies i mean it's it's it is different working with big companies and it is working with uh, startups right now i work with startups and i specialize in, in you know helping even established companies take new products and um, go to market with them so right now that is what i specialize in but in the past i've also you know worked around established products and it's a little bit different especially when it comes to marketing with um with products that don't yet have a clear product market fit. And even if they do have some kind of product market fit, they have it with a very limited audience. They haven't really reached product market fit across scale. It's very different because you're kind of like, you're kind of like testing the waters. You want to put your foot in the water and check it out and see, all right, is this, is this good? Is this working for me or is this not? And you want to make decisions really quickly because of that, because you know, you're testing things and you could be, way in the wrong direction but you don't know that yet so you have to always be on top of things you have to pay attention to every little single things that 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 you do and make sure that you're um, making decisions quickly whereas with established brands and established products you have the luxury of knowing like this is the type of things that we do that have worked for us in the past and are very likely to work for us in the future and if you need like a quick go-to um, solution, go-to channel um, for your marketing efforts, then you have that. You can you can always tap into that. Um, on the one hand, on the other hand, it's really hard on with established brands to create that hockey stick type growth, right? To see um, how you can um, you know like if if you have very uh, lofty goals and very um, very competitive goals with an established brand. Um, that sometimes is actually more difficult to do because if you're selling $50 million a year, it's hard to get from 50 million to 100 million. But if you're selling $10,000 a year and you're trying to get to 20,000, sometimes that's easier. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes it is easier. Once you're able to tap into just a little bit of a something, a little bit of a channel, you get, you're getting traction a little bit somewhere, you can probably get from 10 to 20, but to get from 50 to 100, to get from 100 to 200, you need to make substantial um, substantial efforts to do that. And it's going to take time. It's not going to be quick. So that that's the main difference between working with established um, brands and working with, um, with, uh, uh, with new up and coming. It's the speed that things, that things move and happen. Mm-hmm. So valuable. Love it. Uh, can you tell more about uh, finding the right strategy? For example, uh, uh, I often see when the masters chase high volume, you know, they can see, whoa, so much traffic. I can sell a lot, you know, with this traffic, but it doesn't uh, mean that you can sell even if you get this traffic because we have competition. We have many other websites, especially for SEO. How to create the right strategy? that it's possible to achieve with limited resources uh, and uh, go ahead with that, uh, especially uh, if you're talking about KPI, how we can measure oh, yeah. uh, or forecast the future. No, for sure. So with SEO specifically, but also generally speaking in, in, B2B, in B2B marketing, which is what I specialize in, um, it's all about knowing the target audience. You need to understand 
who the ideal customer persona is, you know, and get as, especially if you're in the early stage, you need to get as granular as possible. You need to be like, all right, I want to get to this specific type of person and this specific type of company, this specific type of geo that do this specific type of thing. You need to understand who is the person and what is the company that can derive the most value from your offering. So that means that you need to be very clear about what your offering is. You need to be very clear about what your value proposition is. And once you have that clear, you need to understand who is this best for. And once you, once you understand that, then you can try and test if you're right. That's getting the product market fit part of it. But um, then if you're able to understand if that, who that audience is, then when it comes to an SEO strategy specifically, I like to start thinking about, all right, so what does their day-to-day -day look like? Like, let's say that um, you're uh, selling a CRM solution, right? You're selling a CRM solution for SMBs. And you um, think that, all right, so the person that, you know, the type of company that we need, we need a company that has salespeople, that have at least some sales. If you're not making any sales, you don't need a CRM just yet. It's not going to be that critical. Mm -hmm. it, you might need it, but it's not an absolute need. And we want to get to that ideal person. So we're looking at a company that has salespeople. Let's say they have at least three to four salespeople. So if they have at least three to four salespeople, that means that the company has at least 20 to 30 employees. And then think about the features that you have inside your CRM. Is this a CRM that is best, um, is best, is best um, uh, suited for construction companies? Maybe you have like solutions that are specific for that, you know, like um, getting a bill of materials, that kind of thing. Maybe you have that included. So now that you're kind of like trying to figure out, all right, who's this best suited for? And now you're, you've come up with, this is best suited for, let's say a salesperson in a software company that does B2B sales at a certain volume, et cetera, et cetera. What does their day-to-day -day look like? What kind of issues do they face in their day-to-day? -day? Like, what are they concerned with? Obviously they're concerned with sales, but um, what, you know, like is, is this, are discovery calls their main, their main issue? Is getting leads their main issue? Is, uh, uh, is, is churn their main issue. And now that we've that you mapped out a few of the different issues that they face day to day, now it's time to start your keyword research around those, around those things. And now you're starting to create a, um, now you're starting to create keywords and, and keyword clustering around stuff that is relevant to the target audience. And now that you have that, you can, you can start finding keywords that have volume, that, you know, the competition score is something that you can live with and you can probably rank for it. Depends, you know, what kind of SEO operation you've got going on. And now you've got yourself a content calendar because now you're like looking, all right, so I'm going to write about this and I'm going to write about that. And I'm going to try and, and, and have in, in all this uh, uh, in the next month. And maybe these articles will have for next month. Next thing you know, you have a content calendar and you have a content strategy for SEO. And that's for, you know, like, let's say your company blog. And then for your, for, for the, for the pages that are on your website, where you have your product pages and your homepage, that's even easier. You don't need to think so much about the target audience and go into, you know, providing added value. It's about, this is what we do. And then finding the keywords around that, that you need to kind of like, you know, have those pages um, target and then do. And then, you know, do your on-page and your off-page SEO, obviously. But as far as the strategy goes, that part of the thing is, is, is pretty simple. It's, uh, you, you should be able to understand which keywords you want to target for your product pages.
Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah, uh, I, I like it because, you know, you, you mentioned that, uh, uh, for example, uh, uh, I remember when I listened to one episode uh, with uh, Tim Solo, uh, that was audio podcast, and he shared that it's hard for them, for HRFs, to find uh, a buying persona because it's uh, so broad. Can you tell how to find for companies like HRFs and many other companies uh, a buying persona for SEO because it's quite different with paid marketing where you can set up a buying persona uh, and uh, but in SEO we can cover a broader audience. Can you help with that? Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean when I say the ideal customer persona. It's really easy for a lot of companies to get confused and to get, you know, off, uh, off focus when you have, when you're able to offer a solution to pretty much anybody in a company. I mean, go even beyond Ahrefs. Think about a solution like Monday, Asana, Trello. They mm -hmm. can work for any team in, in the organization, any organization. Freelancers, just one freelancer who wants to communicate with their clients and an open task for clients. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, a big organization, you know, a software development team that need uh, to manage their sprints and manage their tickets. Yeah, you can do that. Marketing, sales, whatever, any department. So how do they um, how do they decide on some, who, who's the person that's most ideal for this? And that goes back to what I mentioned before about market research, understanding who has the biggest pain point that you're solving for. And when it comes to SEO solutions, I would say if I had to guess, I haven't done the research. But I would say that the person that has the or the, the the organization that has the most need, that has the biggest pain point is the agency, the SEO agency or the freelancer, the SEO freelancer who need like some kind of SEO tool to basically manage this is the core of their business. They're SEO consultants. So it's at their core of their business. And since they're freelancing and since they're an agency, if they don't do this, they don't have a business. If you're an SEO manager in a company and you're an employee, you might not be the decision maker on the one hand, and this might not be as much of a pain when it's your own business. So I think that um, if I'm trying to sell an SEO solution, if I'm trying to sell any kind of, um, of a marketing tool that has mass appeal to it, I would start with agencies and freelancers because they are there are a lot of them in marketing. So it's not that it's a, you're limiting yourself to a very small audience, and they would probably have the most immediate need um, that they need answered um, with these solutions. And and I think they would also be the fastest adopters, right? You also want early adopters. You want people who can you can get on board pretty quickly. And there, so you get to a person who's also the practitioner, that the person who's going to be using it. They're also the decision maker, so they can also, uh, you know, buy for themselves. So it's going to be quick. And um, and there's the mess to have. There's the need here. So that kind of like those three things will probably um, make them their the ideal customer persona for your solution. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'm interested uh, how to create a KPI for SEO. Uh, because, you know, for example, if I create KPI for uh, paid marketing, uh, I can understand it's achievable. Uh, yeah. I need to spend such resources. But for SEO, we don't know. Google will rank our content or not. How to forecast this <coughs> KPI? So I like to um, set up a KPIs for all stages in the funnel for SEO. So first, mm -hmm. you want to rank. Um, so you want to see your, if, if you're using Google Search Console, which I really like to use, I do use Ahrefs mm -hmm. and I use SEO tools, but Google Search Console should still always be your, your, um, your go-to tool and should still have it in your toolbox 
because um, there are a lot of things that it is very, very useful for. One of those things is to see the impressions that you're getting on, um, on the SERPs, on the search engine result page. So you definitely wanna use that to kind of see where you're at with regards to impressions and you wanna grow and you wanna add more impressions um, on search engine result page. That's the, that's the initial thing that you should be doing. So first you're gonna see the impressions go up even before you're getting any clicks to your website from, from organic um, traffic, you're gonna get impressions move up. So that's the first thing you wanna be looking at. The second thing you wanna be looking at is um, your placement, you know, the, your, your ranking. Um, and you wanna move up obviously in the ranking. So as a KPI, I would wanna have like, all right, I wanna rank on page one, I wanna rank number five, I wanna rank number four, I wanna rank number one for a certain keyword, but I would even go for a keyword cluster, you know, like for a cloud, so whatever you want to call it, but you know what I mean? It's all the long tails around that keyword. You want to rank for that cluster um, on page one. And then, you know, you pick um, a few of these and then you start writing articles for them. And that would be, that would be, um, so that's two KPIs that we have, you know, your placement, your, uh, how many impressions you're getting. And then the third part, which I really like doing is when it comes to traffic, I have a target of a certain percentage increase month over month in organic traffic. So now that we're getting the traffic to our website, we need to see it increase month over month. And you don't need to have much. It needs to be around five to 10% a month when you're, when you're in early stages, when you're not getting a lot of traffic. Because think when you think about it, let's say you're getting 500 visits a month on, um, on search traffic. So 5%, that's not going to be too much. That's another 25 uh, visits a month. But when you look at that um, annually, that's 60% increase year over year. So if you target 5 to 10%, um, if you're in early stage to, to get month over month, that's a good place to be. You're going to get 60% growth year over year. And that's, you know, that's obviously something that uh, I think is, is, is good. If you're more established, you know, if you're getting like 50,000, 100,000 visits a month um, from organic traffic and more, then that's going to be much tougher to um, to get an average of five percent a month increasing, you know, and increasing at sixty percent, and you know, and doing that exponentially. That that's obviously going to be hard to scale and require a lot more work. Which goes back to what I said originally, where sometimes growth is easier when you're in an early stage. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so that's it. You know, you want to look at your impressions, you want to look at your ranking, and then you want to look at your traffic. And in the traffic, you want to see. Um, that increase. And of course, and this is this is the silver lining, this is like, or the, the, the icing on top. If you're running B2B, you want to obviously get leads from it. If you're running any kind of other operation, you want to see whatever your conversion is. Um, so you want to see, you want to see, um, you want to see conversions start to come in from this channel as well. That, that should obviously happen, but that takes time to get there. So valuable, love it. Uh, I have the question about uh, clustering because you mentioned a few times uh, clustering keywords. You know, when I'm using uh, Ahrefs, Rush or any other tools, I can see a list of keywords, uh, huge list of keywords. For example, uh, if I type weight loss, I can get weight loss supplements, reviews, any other stuff. Can you tell how to cluster all these keywords? Uh, how to find uh, the right groups? Uh, your loving methods uh, with clustering because. Uh, I see when uh, webmasters usually set up a lot more keywords for one page or uh, duplicate keywords for different pages because Google doesn't like cannibalization. Can you yeah. tell how to find the, this balance uh, by clustering yeah. keywords? I mean, well, first, 
first, uh, um, when you start creating a cluster, you got to think about, obviously it has to start with volume, right? So this cluster has to be around a certain, a certain keyword. Like we talked about our CRM solution before. So if we imagine the CRM solution as being a cluster, so that's, you know, obviously um, that's, that's enough volume. And then the CRM solution would be that cluster. And then I usually take that cluster and see where are my long tails around it. I use Ahrefs, so I like to find um, a lot of long tails in that cluster. If I have it, then that's great. I usually know, but by this point, what kind, what type of content is the type of content or what type of queries before I even get to the content, what type of long tail queries in that, that when I see them, I'm like, oh, that's going to be a good article in the cluster. And you, like, for example, that can be a listicle. Like um, if somebody wants, if we're doing like CRMs and then like, I see CRM for construction. I'm like, all right, so that could be that could be interesting. And then I could do like content about, you know, how to use your CRM for a construction business, how to use your CRM for law practice, for 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 that kind of thing. So it really depends on what the SEO tools are sending back your way as far as long tails. And that's how I build my cluster, just by seeing, all right, what kind of combinations do I like from what they from what they provided and what and what I'm getting in from that. And then think about then, all right, can this, can this all then work as something that would then be delivered back into the pillar page? You know, the pillar page would be the complete guide to CRM solutions and how do you CRM solutions and you build it. And in that, you'd have like every industry in there and that would hyperlink to the different uh, articles. I mean, there's a great article by HubSpot where they talk about how they do, how they do um, uh, clustering and pillar pages themselves. And when you Google for it, you find it. So it's amazing. It's kind of like this, you know, meta meta uh, win for them because you know they're they're showing to you and then they they, they drink from the Kool Aid and then you see it in search results. So um, so it's it's first it's really great content and and I recommend you know if you Google um, content clustering, if you Google pillow pages and you see that HubSpot article, that is a great um, reference to um, to learn how to build out um, content clusters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Uh, uh, can you tell about priorities? For example, uh, you uh, group a list of keywords, uh, you have a lot of subgroups, uh, but uh, when we have limited resources that we usually have, you know, even big businesses, big companies uh, share some marketing budget and uh, we can't cover, for example, all group of keywords to create high quality content because today uh, quality is key. Can you tell how to choose priorities considering your competition? Because uh, you, we yeah. might have other high quality content online. We need to compete with them, tow trend. So sometimes it's better to choose uh, content uh, or topics uh, where we can outrank others. Uh, can you tell more about? True. That? I mean, it's it's all about it's all about your research, right? So if you research it and, like you say, you find out that you know. Um, you're in a very competitive niche, which, you know, a lot of us are. And then it becomes that much harder to develop content um, and to rank for the keywords that you want to rank for. So, yeah, it's about, uh, you know, you do your gap analysis. You figure out, you know, like this is what I want to rank for, you know, like a few different high level keywords. And you see where there's gaps, what's, what your competitors are doing. If they're ranking for similar keywords or the same keywords, where are the gaps <clears throat> excuse me, where are the gaps in their SEO strategy? What have they not targeted? What have they not attacked? Um, and then you also look to, and then you try and, 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 and create, match that with what, you know, like you have a target audience that you're trying to get to with 
the type of content that is relevant for your target audience. And if you can find like a sweet spot or, you know, like on a Venn diagram with the two circles intersect where you find something that there's a gap between what your competitors are doing in your SEO strategy. And um, you found that, you know, that this content would be relevant for your target audience. And if you want to bring in another circle into that, and on top of that, you found it's not too competitive and you can probably rank for it, then that's the, that's the article you, you're going to need to write. Um, and, and yeah, that, that should be a win for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, I have the question about uh, the difference between ROI and KPI uh, because uh, they are different metrics, but uh, we need to consider both. Can you tell what is the main difference and how to consider in your strategy? Yeah, so I mean, like there's a lot of KPIs, like I mentioned before, you know, um, the a KPI is your key performance index. It's basically what you want to focus your efforts on doing. Um, you don't have to have one. I encourage you to have many. Um, I know that a lot of companies and a lot of the clients that I work with, they prefer to have one. And I understand why, because you want to have that focus. You want to have the entire company focused on one KPI. And you'll see that, you know, like you have um, LinkedIn influencers like uh, Chris Walker and Dave Gerhardt that they will also advocate for the one KPI. I'm on the other side of the spectrum. I believe you need to have as many KPIs as possible for each step in your funnel. Right. So if we're trying to, like I mentioned with SEO, first step, impressions on search engine results page. You want to get there and then you want to get traffic. That's a KPI, 5% growth month over month. That's a KPI. And then leads from, uh, from, uh, um, from organic search. That's another KPI. And then your other KPI are qualified leads from organic search and then sales from organic search. That is in a B2B funnel. That's, that's what that would look like. And you have a KPI for each stage in, in that funnel. And there's a different ROI means like your return on investment and you don't really get ROI until the point that you made a sale. But all those KPIs I just mentioned are before you've even made the sale. So, and then, you know, you can get to that point where, you know, there is the uh, sale obviously, and that should obviously be a KPI and you want to be ROI positive, meaning that you made more than what you spent. But in order to get there, you have to look at all the stages in the funnel because let's say you're not there, you're not getting there. There's no way of knowing where your problem lies unless you have a lot of KPIs along the way because you can be like, all right, so I see the impressions are going up, the leads are going up, the traffic's going up, they're, they're all, I'm, I'm hitting my KPIs. Oh, qualified leads. Qualified leads is not where it needs to be. So I'm getting leads, but they're not qualified. Why? And then like, and now you can, now when you ask, you're asking the right question. You're asking, first of all, you're not asking like, what's the problem here? You're asking, why am I not getting qualified leads? You have a very specific question and you have a much better chance of answering that than you did if you were just looking at, I'm just not making enough sales. You know, I'm not ROI positive. I'm, I'm, I'm spending more than I'm making. So what is my problem if I'm spending more than I'm making? I don't know. It could be a ton of different things. So that's why that's the difference between KPIs and, and, and ROI. KPIs help you better understand where you what's working and what's not working and be very, very um, granular about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I have the question, how to unite marketing objective uh, to KPI? So I guess if you're, you're marketing objectives, again, this is um, in B2B is usually having leads, users, you know, if you're in SaaS, if you're in low touch SaaS solution and you want to get users, you want to acquire users, um, whether you're doing that through SEO, PPC, it doesn't matter. Um, so 
you know, it depends. You need to, to figure out what your ideal customer journey is. What is the journey? What are the steps that you, even if you don't have data right now, right? So let's say you don't have usage. It's, let's say you're starting with scratch. You're going to have to make some guesses. There's no way there's no ways around it because you don't have the data or you can look at competitors. You can look at, you know, uh, case studies and stuff like that and then understand what does a customer journey look like? What does a funnel look like um, for these other solutions? And each step in that funnel, I believe you should have a KPI. So if that first step is to get somebody on your website, then your first KPI is visits, visits to your website. That's one KPI. If then the next step is somebody needs to convert on a form, fill in a form and become uh, a user on a platform, the next one is, is leads. And then if the next one after that is that they need to, uh, you know, do something in, in the software solution, you know, perform a certain action, connect to a solution, something like that, that's your next one. That would be a qualified lead, somebody who does that action, somebody who can get value from your product. So you connect um, KPIs to your marketing objectives by having a good understanding of what is the path to conversion, what is the path to becoming a paid customer. Um, now, if you have the data, you should be able to do that. You should be able to know, you know, um, stuff like that. And if you don't, you need to look to your competitors or just make an educated guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, can you tell about automation? Uh, can we use uh, some automation uh, to compare uh, KPI in marketing? Because uh, uh, I get this question from my audience about automation, how it can help to uh, to get a more accurate KPI before uh, creating uh, any campaigns. So look, I mean, like, like I mentioned here, let's say that you don't know what the journey is, um, what, what, do you, what your journey is to, um, to becoming a, a paid customer, to becoming an active user, whatever your, uh, whatever your goal here is. Automation can help you get to that point where you know faster. Because if you think that, all right, so I have all these people who are becoming users in my platform, in my solution, in my software, but none of them are becoming paid customers. I'm not exactly sure why. This is where you can probably use automation to automate emails, you know, and, and make connections with them. You can um, use automation to, um, to create different journeys for each one. You can customize the, what somebody sees um, in the product itself, in the content that they get, in the communications that you send based on the actions that they make. And then that can help you better understand um, if you're on the right path or if you're not on the right path. Um, so I hope that answers the question. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I found on your LinkedIn profile interesting quote that uh, you uh, have unique opportunity to lead, lead marketing efforts uh, for Israel's most innovative B2B tech and software mm -hmm. as a service startups uh, from the ground up. Can you tell more about that? What is your unique way to get results for uh, B2B uh, in Israel? So that's that's an interesting question. So I've, I have had the opportunity to work with, um, with some really innovative companies. I work with a lot of um, developer tools and I work with a lot of cybersecurity companies um, and help them with their go-to-market strategy. I'll give you I'll give you um, an interesting uh, fact. There's like an interest an interesting hack that I have that I've done mm -hmm. for a lot of my clients. So and this is I guess I call it the Kaspersky method um, because mm -hmm. Kaspersky, if you, if you know the antivirus software, 
they are um, very good at finding um, finding viruses or finding you know cyber attacks. Um, they search the net for it, and then when they find it, then they make a big show about it. They give it mm -hmm. a name, so they 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 give that the, the so they find like a cyber attack, they find a vulnerability, they find a virus, and they give it a name. They call it you know like um, computer screen two point one. And um, and now they're they're going to do a lot of PR around it. They're going to write a lot about a lot of articles. They just gave it that name. So what they just did was now that they've created all this buzz around it, when people are going to look for Computer Screen 2.1, they're going to always find Kaspersky now. And they've basically owned that term, and they are owning that category that solves for it. And then like if somebody's looking for Computer Screen 2.1 solution protection. Uh, software, then they they will they will find Kaspersky now. So that that is a very very smart um, little trick that they do, mm -hmm. and I've employed that too. Now this it for the great thing about working with startups that are very innovative and that are in the um, Israeli ecosystem is that they're able to raise money from VCs. And when you raise money from VCs, this this type of operation doing this and raising that kind of awareness is expensive. It's hard to do that when you're bootstrapped. When you're bootstrapped, mm -hmm. what I would do is I would listen to companies like Kaspersky, see when they do something like this, and then ride that wave. Jump on that wave really quickly with them and do it. Because then, because there's in, in, in search engine results pages, there's 10 results. Kaspersky can only mm -hmm. have one, maybe two. You know, Google's not going to let them have 10. So if they invent um, this new term, and if you're seeing companies that lead your industry, inventing like this new terminology, inventing something, jump on that really quickly and join them on because they're going to spend a lot of money making sure that that search term becomes something that everybody's familiar with. So when you start off, it's going to be zero competition there. But as it goes along, it's going to be much more. Um, and yes, yeah, so that's kind of like one of the things that I do with the companies um, that I work with. And uh, thankfully, they're almost all um, have money coming from uh, venture capital. And that's the kind of thing we, we spend it on. Mm -hmm. So valuable. Love it. Yeah. Uh, especially about Kaspersky. Yeah. I uh, love these methods. Uh, I have the question about uh, things that uh, projects, websites, webmasters don't need to do. They uh, may be obsolete or uh, something like this. Uh, can you tell? Uh, because, you know, I often see when webmasters uh, uh, provide some efforts with things that are obsolete, for example, to use black hat techniques or fixing some uh, unnecessary uh, errors on their websites, for example, like uh, uh, meta text keywords or uh, fixing pages, uh, I mean, like alt text for pages like uh, about us or <laughs> about company, contact page. Uh, can you tell uh, how to, uh, which, uh, from your experience, which methods it's better to avoid today or uh, obsolete or uh, they don't work or uh, we can be penalized Look, by them? I mean, it's really about, so I know that there's that a lot of, a lot of um, influencers, they like to, um, to fame or shame a certain method, right? Like never use this method again, it's terrible, or this is the new SEO or whatever. Um, at the end of the day, Google has to show search results. If you search okay. for something, there's gotta be something there. Something has to come up when you, when you click yeah. enter in, in, in it. So that means that if you're in a non-competitive niche, it, you can be as black hat and as terrible as, as you want. Google's going to have to show something. So it's going to show your result. 
And then you're going to find like conversations when you go into forums, when you go into Reddit, subreddits, and when you go into groups on Facebook, on Slack, on whatever, Twitch, wherever you, wherever you hang out. And people are going to say, no, no, this still works or no, this doesn't work anymore. It really depends on your niche. It really depends on how competitive it is. It's true. I mean, like as a general statement, a lot of the old school black hat SEO will hurt you. Uh, if you're definitely, if you're not doing it in a smart way and, and, and not being, you know, um, assertive about it and you're just, you know, pumping yourself full of paid links and stuff like that. Yeah, that, that's that's going to be a problem. But if you're in a non-competitive niche and again, Google has to show search results and let's say, you know, pretty much all your competitors are doing terrible things for with their SEO or you're not doing SEO, they're not optimized. So, so then, you know, it's all just a comparison of who you're competing with for that um, query. So that's why competition is such a major, major part of, of SEO. I mean, it's all relative. It's all about the context and it's all about what your competitors are doing. So I don't kill and I don't fame any kind of technique. Well, I do fame certain things, you know, like writing, obviously, um, even if you're in a non-competitive niche, if you do write great content and if you do have good on-page SEO, uh, just building the right structure of your page and good internal linking and, um, and and that kind of like pretty much basic SEO that everybody's should be doing now, um, then if you're in a non-competitive niche, that should be enough to rank. You don't really need backlinks and you don't really need to do a lot more than that. But if you're in a super competitive niche, yeah, you're going to need the, all the other things, but then you have to be really smart about it. Um, and, um, and yeah, and just not do anything that would be, uh, that would put you on Google's radar. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Uh, I have the question about, uh, learning, uh, digital marketing or SEO. For example, if you started today from scratch without any experience skills, uh, what would you do? To learn more about SEO and KPI, uh, if, if you wanna sell these services or help others, great question. And you know, it's and and, and you know, it's content has been king for like about ten years, I think. Since uh, I can, I think it was Matt Cutts who said it. I can't even remember who it was, but it was a while back. Um, mm -hmm. Google, um, Bill Gates SEO. said. What's that? Bill What's Gates that? said. Yeah, Bill, Bill Gates. Gates. Yeah, in, um, in 1996, I remember. 96, really? No way. Yeah. All right. All right. I didn't know that. Um, so in any case, Google SEO agency, Google um, stuff like the most competitive keywords you think about, just Google them and see and then like analyze and try and analyze and understand like why the person who's in, uh, who's in number one is number one. You know, look at the code, look at the on page, be able to read HTML. You need to be able to read a little bit of HTML. HTML is easy to read. Um, even if you don't, uh, even if you're not a coder, I'm not a coder. It's pretty easy to read and understand um, HTML. So just look at the look at the way that they have it structured. Look at the you know run it through an SEO uh, tool and see what their backlinks look like. Um, look at look at a, a, an article that ranks number one for a super super competitive keyword um, and try to get as much information as you can from it. And I think that will help you become a much better um, SEO. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Okay, uh, I have uh, the question about the future. Can you predict the future of SEO? Uh, because, you know, uh, many things are coming, uh, like uh, metaverse, uh, others, I don't know, like uh, Web 3.0, augmented reality. What do you think? What kind of future uh, uh, some uh, we are expecting because someone want to start it, uh, you know, to learn about SEO? And... Uh, 
uh, is it good idea to uh, jump on this field or uh, it's better to find something else what do you think I don't know about that but I can I mean like I, I think a few trends that are interesting and, uh, and I'm seeing happening with SEO is um, is first content created by AI um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of SEO content already created by AI right now Google is having a hard time telling the difference, but readers, humans can still tell the difference. You know, I've seen a lot of AI written content. Most of it is not at, it depends on the topic that you're writing about, right? If you're writing about cookery and, and you know, and, and you know, the best pans for your kitchen, sometimes um, an AI can do an okay job at that. But, you know, stuff that requires um, high authority and is very technical and complicated, like medical advice and that kind of thing, AI still can't do a decent enough job. And I think that most websites won't risk it. Um, but I think the future will be that um, either um, it will be very, very hard to tell the difference between AI written content and human uh, content, or that Google will be able to um, tell the difference. We won't be able to, but somehow Google will be able to tell the difference. I don't know, but one of them is going to happen. It's either it's just going to be AI content just all around um, which is not great if you're a content writer, but it was, is amazing if you're an SEO person. Um, so sometimes they're the same, but if they're not, then, um, then, then it could be interesting. And if Google is able to, to, to kind of like combat that and, and understand if it's, if it is AI content, because Google has come out and said that if you do use AI, um, content, then, uh, you will be penalized. But, you know, there's a lot of, uh, research that's shown that they, they can't tell the difference right now. Um, so, so that's one thing. The other thing, um, that I'm seeing is obviously, um, voice searches. Um, I'm sure all of us use to some degree voice, um, voice searches, and then you're getting, um, basically you're getting back, um, you know, voice, uh, a voice, uh, uh, answer without ever leaving the search engine result page. So that's, that's a big trend that Google is not allowing, um, not allowing traffic to leave the search engine result page. So we're gonna, we're gonna see less and less traffic coming in from search. And then if you want people to, um, to be exposed to your content, you need to get into the snippet, into the, the, uh, the featured snippet, because usually that's, at least right now, that's what's getting through on voice searches. And um, you know we may see a change in the business models of a lot of the websites that use um, that, you know, that are very um, Google search focused, you know, a good example is WebMD, you know, one of the biggest SEO optimized websites, they use their, they monetize their website with ads. So I think that websites that monetize with ads and are heavily reliant on Google search traffic are going to have an issue. They're going to have a problem because they're going to see their search traffic keep going down um, over time. Um, and they're going to have to figure something out. I don't know what it is, but I think that the trend is you're going to see less traffic from, from organic search and you need to be very, very focused on getting something that getting value to the reader and also getting what value to yourself for what you're trying to sell, um, in that featured snippet for that specific query. Um, that should be the focus, um, for the future is just around, you know, like getting it into that 200 characters or I don't even know how many.
Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, uh, you remind me when I asked this question, uh, Fabrice Canal from Bing about AI tools. Uh, I asked him, uh, do we need to use them because Google might penalize for using these tools? And he replied to me, uh, Bing doesn't care about uh, do you use tools or not. Bing cares about quality. If you can create high quality content with AI tools, why not? Use them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and f- Yeah, I usually use them, by the way. I use, uh, but I edit. You know, I think today they are not ready to replace uh, writers. Yeah. I mean, like great writers. Or, or they can replace uh, mediocre writers yeah. who uh, have no enough experience. But great writers, they can't. Probably in the future we will see. And yeah, I think uh, even for Google, it doesn't matter Google can recognize or not. It's more about quality. If you can create high-quality content with AI tools, why not? Sure, no, use them. That's a good point. That's a good point that that he makes. Um, um, but Google did say that they would penalize for it, at least on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, they may change their mind. You know, it could be something that they that they end up changing their minds because that is a good point. What does it matter? Why do you, why why would we care if it's good content? If it's good value, who cares if it's written by AI or not? I mean, not yet. Yeah, yeah. I can. I can uh, I, I've seen. I've seen this tweet uh, from John Mueller, and he yeah. mentioned that AI tools uh, usually rewrite content uh, and it's the same technique that was uh, 10 years ago with rewriting tools and i check out i reviewed many tools and yeah they rewrite they just rewrite they don't provide any value uh, they take content from the top 10 uh, and uh, rewrite when you analyze the results you can see some insights from uh, five years ago <laughs> something like this so yeah it takes time to edit for example uh, i use them but uh, Uh, I spend time by adding new valuable insights about this niche, uh, even about digital marketing. So if I see it's obsolete, I take away. Uh, you mm. know, it only helps to save time. You know, when you write yourself, you can like spend uh, uh, eight hours to write uh, 2,000 words. But with AI tools, you can spend like uh, uh, a few hours, you know, two hours to write uh, the same number of uh, words. So, yeah. It's about quality. Um, yeah, uh, it's a big pleasure to get you on my show. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, you can um, you can feel free to follow me on uh, LinkedIn. You know, send me a um, send me a connection request on LinkedIn, on uh, Twitter, or um, you know, check out my website mvpgrow.com. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Uh, follow, uh, because you need to learn this knowledge. You can see that uh, a lot of valuable is- insights we got on this show. Um, you uh, Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.